Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, we're still waiting on the state budget, and without it, community colleges are really feeling the heat. Childcare facilities got a small win. We learned something new about a regional social service provider and a teeny tiny update about everyone's least favorite, now former, football coach. It's Friday, December 1st. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. I'm with CityCast producer Sophia Lowe. Good morning. Hey, Megan. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. And our executive producer from Underneath a Blanket, Mary Lee Williams, you're really committed today. I am very committed. And hello, there is so much construction outside my house. <laughs> That's Pittsburgh. Uh, before we start, I just wanted to know from each of you, like, how does it feel to jump back into the news cycle after a long Thanksgiving break? Honestly, so glad it's Friday. I feel like the hardest thing about any short week is just like dealing with a five day week after. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really intense because my family's Thanksgiving is very intense. And so you have so many people. How many bottles of champagne did y'all go through this time? A lot. We went through a lot. We had a lot of people this year. Uh, We had like I think the count for Thanksgiving dinner was like 38 plus children and oh, wow. I think we had like 20 something bottles of champagne. <laughs> we drink a lot of champagne. Like I think single handedly we like there's a bump in Corbell <laughs> just from us. I, I appreciate the brand allegiance on top of everything, too. Quite honestly, though, when you said a lot of champagne, I was expecting a bigger number. Like, you know, over the course of a day, just like a glass here or there. It adds up, but it's not like a handle of vodka or something. Sophia's got day drinking on the vine. <laughs> it's not it's not it's not like a ungodly amount of champagne, I suppose you could say, but I mean like we start drinking at like one most days and just like pop bottles until late in the evening. But uh aside from popping bottles, it did feel good to come back to the news cycle. Just cuz, you know, habit is useful. So, and there's obviously plenty of news. Yeah, we've been talking about this state budget process for months. It was supposed to be done by July 1st, um, but not passing the state budget is really starting to hurt different sectors of our state. Today, we wanted to talk about community colleges. Um, Governor Josh Shapiro has signed off on the state budget, but that's not all it needs to actually officially finally pass. Yeah, Uh, We've mentioned this before, but there are these code bills that the state, House, and Senate need to pass to kind of direct the funding. And Spotlight PA did a really great article about how this impasse is impacting organizations across the state. 
Yeah, and in terms of how community colleges are feeling this pressure, the TRIB did some really great reporting. We'll link that in our show notes, uh, looking at the community colleges and the problems they're facing without getting this money. Spotlight PA reported that the last time community colleges received payments from the state was in June. So the way this works is these community colleges get money in quarterly payments, and if we don't get a finished budget by December, these institutions are on track to miss at least two payments just because of how slow this money gets doled out even after it's approved. And for context, the budget that Shapiro, our governor, signed had about $260 million allocated to go to community colleges across the state. It's a lot of money. So then what have community colleges across PA been like doing this whole time? Yeah, a few different things. Some colleges have been taking or will need to take emergency funding measures. For example, uh, The community college of Beaver County has been using credit, and it's a pretty high interest rate. Uh, It's 7% for them. Yeah, there was a long list in the trip. I don't know if you all saw Butler County Community College said that it's facing $25,000 in monthly interest payments, not principal, but interest. Westmoreland County Community College is looking at losing $85,000 a month if things don't change, which they said would totally negate the governor's budget increase this year. Like, that's just a wash for them because of the interest they've had to incur. But then like locally, we have the Community College of Allegheny County. We call it CCAC. What are they? What are things going for them? (laughs) I'm nervous now. Yeah, I definitely think other people are, too. Um, But maybe not quite as bad of a situation as some of these other community colleges. Uh, The CCAAC president was quoted in the TRIB uh, and said, CCAC has been able to sustain and meet its financial obligations during this period of time, dot, dot, dot. However, if this persists, it will begin to have an impact that may require us to pursue some alternative funding to support us until we receive the state allocation. Boy, that is a long quote that doesn't (laughs) actually mean anything to me. Like, I'm glad they're cool. But what the heck do you think alternative funding means? We have a lot of philanthropy in this town. Does that mean that they would help CCAC? I mean, I hope they would, but I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if it's like another high interest paying loan, too. Like, it seems like that's what these other colleges are turning to. I like that your brain went straight to incurring debt and my brain went straight to like, let's let's help people for charity. <laughs> I feel like that's a real, real intense generational divide. <laughs> my, uh, my, I don't know. I mean, like, would I agree with you, Megan? I think like, they're probably just keeping their cards close to the chest here is like they're probably they probably have several options on the table. But the question is, is like which option is going to win the day or I suppose lose the day? I don't know. And a note, we really hope you'll care about this because when our community colleges suffer, so does our town, particularly when it comes to workforce training and filling important jobs like healthcare. So you can hear more about all that in one of our past episodes with public source reporter Emma Foltz. And we'll link that episode in our show notes. Well, so along with the continued impasse of the budget, there was some zoning news here. And zoning is something we've been talking a lot about on CityCast because the community has been talking a lot about it, but this one's a little bit different with zoning. So earlier this week, the Pittsburgh Planning Commission, they voted unanimously for proposed changes to Pittsburgh zoning code that would make it easier to open child care facilities. Please, I really, really want that to happen. 
finally a zoning win. Megan, I don't know which part of the city you're zoned in, so don't I don't I don't want to get your hopes up just yet. But basically, so city councilors Bobby Wilson and Deb Gross, they put forward this legislation that would allow child care centers to operate in areas zoned for single family homes. And and this one's also really important, it would eliminate the parking requirements. Wait, what were the parking requirements? I know there are some. I just forget, like, how much it is. So I, like, super knew that one of you guys was going to ask me this question. (laughs) And I was like, at first I was like, don't ask me. And then I, like, actually dug up a memo from 2018 about this. Nice. Yes, but it is a memo from 2018. So I do want to throw a little caveat in that. But basically it says, quote, off-street parking is required to be provided on-site for childcare uses at the rate of one parking space per 800 square feet of floor area for the use. So it just depends on how big the child care facility is. And I wonder if that means like, like, can those parking spaces be for employees or do they have to be for the public? I bet it's public. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think it doesn't. I couldn't find anything specifically spelling out who the parking has to be for. I just found this saying like how much it has to be. But yeah, I think it's kind of like. If you have a bigger facility, you need more parking. If you have a smaller facility, you know, you might only need one space. Right. But in terms of smaller facilities, I've seen childcare facilities in places that I think are like single family home type of deal. Yeah. So currently, if a facility wants to open somewhere that's like zoned for single family residences, they have to get a special exemption from the Zoning Board of Adjustment. So basically they... More Zoning Board problems. Exemptions. We love those. I know. We're just so many exemptions. (laughs) So in this case, these are like home businesses, a house that is also a childcare facility. You can tell I am less familiar with this than Megan. I don't have kids. (laughs) So lots more questions from me. Well, so like... Not necessarily all of them are like this. Obviously, you've probably seen childcare facilities across the city if you've been driving around that look more like school buildings or look more like mm-hmm. office buildings. But there are some that mm-hmm. are in these places that look like houses. And so the idea kind of behind this legislation is that there should be available childcare facilities in the places where the children are, like These smaller home-based facilities provide a really flexible option for communities. And these facilities, part of this change was that these would be for facilities that care for up to six children. So they are like smaller places. And the state mandates specific ratios for child care centers, too. If you're not familiar, like for six young kids, you'd probably need two workers. It depends on their age. I feel like I should have known that because when I first moved to Pittsburgh, I actually worked for a literacy nonprofit that went to child care facilities and we did story times in them. So I have seen a lot of child care facilities across the city. But this is all separate from a babysitter. Like child care facilities have a different like legal meaning. They're subject to regulation. Your neighbor can still watch your kid. Like that's different. That's fine. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, these are like these are official places. These are somewhere where, you know, maybe it's down the road. There's somebody who used to be a childcare educator and they want to open up their home to kids and maybe make it a more like formalized facility. You saw that a lot. It's mm-hmm. like neighbors who just kind of wanted to do this as well. And then parking requirements are still a big thing for city developments at large. I know that's like been a constant conversation. 
it's a constant conversation in Pittsburgh. Parking, people are always talking about it. The parking requirement elimination could also be a really big deal for these facilities because, you know, parking on street can be hard. And if it's like a parking space or two that's keeping a childcare facility from being opened in a neighborhood, like, obviously, that's something people probably want to address. I mean, Sophia, I don't, I guess you don't drive very much, but you've seen parking. <laughs> I have seen parking, but yeah, not a lot of driving, not a lot of childcare for me. But now that this uh, change has been proposed for the zoning code, what happens now? Yeah. So basically, it's going to go back to city council now and they'll vote on it. Fingers crossed. Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art. Eat gourmet snacks. People watch. We'll mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. So there was another good story this week that we really wanted to talk about um, from Spotlight PA and WESA that digs into how opioid settlement money is supposed to expand syringe services around here. You will hopefully be hearing more about this from us in the coming days. But there was a couple lines in the piece that made me think about some reporting I did several years ago that actually relates to child care centers. So places like this are for harm reduction, providing sterile medical supplies like syringes that make it less risky to inject drugs. And for a long time, there was something called the 1500 foot rule that barred social or healthcare service workers that engaged in this kind of work from being within 1500 feet of a school, a daycare, a playground, any kind of space like that. And it made it so hard for them to reach at-risk people. Like they used to have this map that had bubbles for all of them. And like the spaces that were available to them were so super duper tiny in the city. It made it really hard to get people the supplies that they needed. Mm -hmm. Well, we heard you talking on the phone about this yesterday. So (laughs) I hope there's been some good news and updates. Yeah, so we learned something. Um, This 1,500-foot rule has been dropped from both the city a few years ago now and just a few months ago, the county as well. I was talking to Aaron Arnold, the executive director of Prevention Point Pittsburgh. They're the primary service provider in this area about all of that. He said that since 2019, like kind of the period from 2019 to 2021, both the number of people who come to their sites, they have five now, and the number of supplies that they distribute have tripled. Oh, wow. It's kind of in- intense just how much need there is in the area. So what kind of like stuff do these places offer? 
They have a ton of supplies these days. Um, the list has grown a lot since the last time I was on their website, including, importantly, I think, fentanyl test strips and naloxone or Narcan. Um, they have injectables and the nasal spray, and they provide those at all of their sites. Um, like I said, we'll link it in the show notes, and you can check out kind of what they do. Um, they also have a new anonymous Narcan mailing program that sounded really cool. So they'll send you naloxone for free. We'll put a link to that whole process in the show notes. I just thought it was a really interesting program and definitely innovative in this space. Yeah. And this WESA and Spotlight PA story is really great. And we're hoping to talk more about it soon. And one more update, something a little bit more fun, hopefully. We recently did a show on Steelers fans calling for Matt Canada to be fired. Steelers Wait. fans, the entire city, everyone at large, <laughs> not even <laughs> understanding the joke. <laughs> And great timing for us, I guess, because he did actually get fired a couple hours after we dropped the episode. It was amazing. Uh, But since then, I haven't actually been keeping up with anything Steelers related. Megan, you're the person I ask for all my PGH sports updates. So catch me up curtsies. Uh, Yeah, we played the Bengals after he was fired. So only one game in since the news dropped. But the quarterback, Kenny Pickett, who our guests were talking about, he threw so many more yards. I forget what the exact numbers were, but it was something like 60 yards is kind of what he was like averaging or doing before Canada got fired. Canada, of course, is the offensive coordinator, so his boss. And this last game, he threw for 278 yards um, and had a 97.8 passer rating, which which is so much better. Kenny was already like start. He was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL by stats this year. But this game shows tremendous promise. I think the whole team managed to get around 400 offensive yards, which is the first time we have done that in 59 games, which okay. was a whole quarterback ago. Big difference. <laughs> yes. The one thing that I thought was interesting is just like, what a renewed commitment this is to a second-year quarterback in Kenny. This is Pittsburgh. We don't like change. We had Terry Bradshaw for over a decade. We had Ben Roethlisberger for two decades. All of our Super Bowls have been under those two quarterbacks. Pittsburgh does not like to adjust things. So they really want Kenny to be here, to do well, and to hang out for a very, very, very long time. So not a sure thing, but a good sign. Yeah, and I guess we'll see because the Steelers play Arizona at home on Sunday at 1 p.m. And Arizona's terrible, so it should be good. We always like to watch a winner, so I guess we'll find out what happens. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Reminder, you can find all of our shows, old and new, on our website. That's pittsburgh.citycast.fm. Our music is by Benji. Mary Lee Williams is our executive producer. Sophia Lowe, a.k.a. Al Mooman, and Elizabeth Kama produced the show. Natalia Aldana and Francesca DeBecco wrote the newsletter. And I'm your host, Megan Harris. We'll be back on Monday with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend, everyone. There we go. Hi. Little den. <laughs> Little cozy I'm nook. in the stomach. <laughs>